tuning in to Modern Entrepreneurship with Felicia Santana. I'm so excited you decided to join me. This is my new podcast and I'm thrilled that you're here, so welcome. Before we get started, let me give you a little bit of my background. I'm the founder and owner of Cardinal Consulting, which is the company I launched at the end of 2015 to provide strategic marketing, business development, and corporate advisory services to nonprofit professional associations of color. I decided to do this podcast and begin coaching because I was inspired by the women I met at the networking events I attended to prospect for new business and new clients. I'd ultimately end up surrounded by a group of aspiring entrepreneurs, usually women, who all asked me variations of the same questions. How did I get started? How did I launch my business? How do I get clients? So I decided to take all of the information that I gathered and learned from research, my experiences as an entrepreneur and as an employee in corporate America and created this podcast, which I hope you'll find helpful, useful and valuable as you embark on your journey to turn your dreams of entrepreneurship into reality. My goal is to inspire and motivate you. If I can start a business, then so can you. If you've taken the entrepreneurial readiness assessment test that we discussed in the last episode, and you think you're ready for entrepreneurship, but you aren't sure what kind of business you want to start, then you're going to enjoy this episode because my guest today is Tanya Brigham, a former corporate executive who left a successful career to become an entrepreneur as a franchisee, which means she purchased a franchise. She runs one of the most successful Smoothie King franchises here in the DC metro area. We recently had a conversation where we talked about her journey to becoming an entrepreneur. As I noted in my blog, there are three roads to entrepreneurship. You can start a business from scratch, which is what I did. You can buy an existing business and enhance it, which is what a colleague of mine did. Check out carchecks.com. Or you can purchase a franchise, which is what Tanya did. The road you take depends on you and your circumstances. Only you can determine which road is the right road for you. But remember, all roads will require research and planning. Ask yourself, is there a market for the business you're considering? How will you get customers? You'll also require some capital or some financing. What are the startup costs? Can you fund this endeavor or will you need to secure a small business loan? And finally, dedication and hard work. Can or will you be able to put in the time and effort it takes to build a business? This segment includes an excerpt of my conversation with Tanya about her decision to purchase a franchise and what that process looked like. She discusses the research she did to determine that a Smoothie King franchise made the most sense for her and the expert resources she enlisted to help her secure the financing needed to fund this endeavor. To give you more context, Tanya is a devout Christian and leads her life based on her faith and love for God. She'd gotten to a point in life, as so many of us working moms do, where she was exhausted and exasperated by the demands of her job and how much time she was away from her children. So after much soul-searching, introspection, and prayer, she quit her job and became a stay-at-home mom for three years before deciding to become an entrepreneur. Take a listen. I became an at-home mom for three years. And, you know, at first it was great. I just needed the break. I loved dropping my kids off at school. I loved having barbecue chicken in the oven when they came home and they're like, what's going on? Why does it smell so good in here? You know, I loved cleaning my house. 
but after a while, because of my personality, it's like, okay, Lord, ready to go back to work. And he was like, nope, take a seat. We got work to do. And I was an at-home mom for three years. And that was very tough for me Wow. because I was so used to doing. That was a part of my identity. That was a part of my pride. And God just really stripped me of that. He stripped me of that paycheck that I thought was all that. And my office on the 11th floor and just all the stuff that doesn't matter. Right. What's interesting now running my own business is how many women I have reached out to me to say, I'm an attorney. I hate my job or I'm in real estate or I'm doing this. How did you just quit? Like, it's so scary. We have a mortgage and we have tuition. How did yeah. you do that? And I felt the same way. This is so scary, but God literally got me to the point to where I couldn't take it anymore. Every time I got on a plane to go to a different event, something traumatic was happening, would happen every single time. And it was like, he was trying to pry my fingers off of this cold, this job that was literally killing me. Um, And as, as scary as it was, I finally had to pull the trigger to say I'm out and I'm trusting him. And the three years at home, I call them the three years in the desert. It was him. It was him saying, Tanya, we're getting ready to take this mask off. You really are good enough. You're in the wrong place. Your children need you right now. They're so small. I need, I need for you to just be alone with me and we're going to get you where you need to go. And I would be like, but God, they're talking about me. Oh my gosh, I got to go back to work. I got, he was like, no, that door is closed. And finally, one day I said, Lord, can I just go back to work at Bowie? And I didn't hear him say no. And then it was like, okay, okay, okay. What can I do in Bowie? And that's when I started doing the research. And that is how I actually stumbled across franchising. I never necessarily wanted to run my own business. That's not I just saw myself advancing in a corporate setting. Right. And that is, it literally was stumbling across what can I do in Bowie and stay at home and still be a mom. And I did the research and I researched a lot of different brands. And he literally just kept bringing me back to this brand where that number one guest at the time was that soccer mom who cared about what they put in people's bodies. They cared about that product. It just made sense for me. You know, I lived in a community where it's very active. The kids, I mean, there's like 2000 kids in the local soccer league and basketball and the gyms. And there's like a ton of parks and people are out and the little kids are dancers or, you know, just whatever. So it literally, it made sense. And I lived in a community where most of the residents have enough disposable income to buy a seven to $10 drink. Yeah. Um, not only do they care about what they put in their bodies, but then they're able to pay for what they want to put in their bodies. They're able to pay for gym memberships. It just made sense for me to um, go with the brand that I went with. And that brand obviously is, is Smoothie King and um, to put it in the community that I put it in. And that literally, it, it was the synergy of it. It was God's moving. All of it made sense that I would eventually be successful opening up this brand in the community that I opened up in. Right. It, it just worked. I love that you had, you did the research and you, and you, you, uh, you decided to opt or you opted to go with Smoothie King and knowing the area, um, I, that makes perfect sense. And I think knowing you, it makes, it definitely makes <laughs> sense. 
but uh, talk a little bit because you're being really humble. Talk a little bit about the process of, you know, uh, you know, following through and actually getting the franchise. And then uh, after you launched, you know, uh, talk a little bit about the results, you know, so talk about the scary part of, you know, financing and building it and, and investing all that money, but then also talk about the rewards later on. Absolutely. And scary is the absolute right word like that. Yeah, it was very scary. Once I heard what God was saying to me and I landed on the brand, you know, I was married and I needed to then convince my partner that this was a good place for us to invest money. And even if it's, you know, your own money, you're, you still have to talk, have conversations about a large chunk of money, like where it's going. So I had to Although I very clearly heard God, I still needed the buy-in from my husband. Mm -hmm. um, and that took a minute. And what was really interesting, and I do want to point this out to your listeners, is that he was not on board at first. And he was like, okay, when is this spiritual journey going to be over with? Because <laughs> we still have a mortgage. And um and at one point he was just kind of done with me saying, I I'm listening to God and this is the way we should go. And he said, you know, I'm going to call your mom. I'm going to call your mom because someone needs to talk some sense into you. And then my mom called my brother and then they both called me. And the lesson that I learned, you know, and I, I went back to God and I'm like, God, what are you, what are you, what's happening? What are you doing? I, I literally am doing everything you've told me to, you told me to go this way. And this is the number one point I want to make to every single one. Sometimes when you're following God, persecution is going to come. No one is going to stand with you. And one of the things that God said is, I need to know when persecution comes, are you still going to follow my voice? I need for everyone who's thinking about doing something on their own, when absolutely no one agrees with you, when it makes no sense in the natural or on paper, if this is the passion of your heart, honestly, that's just a test to even see, are you going to go for it? Because, you know, persecution and opposition and, you know, delays and distractions are going to spring up along the journey. You have to have decided this is the way that I'm going, no matter what, come hell or high water. Um, so I'm glad that I experienced that test. It didn't feel very good in the moment that the three people that are the closest to me was telling me opposite from what I felt in my gut and what I knew God was saying to me. And, you know, when I went back to God complaining, what he said is, I told you to move forward. He's going to sign before you sign. And what God was basically saying is everyone who needs to be on board, that's my job. I will get them on board before you get there. Just do the part I've told you to do for this moment. And eventually he came to me and says, you know, I think it is a good idea. And I'm like, Lord, what? And this took months. I think it is a good idea. Let's pursue it. We're going to pull out retirement dollars and we're going to roll it over. Um, and I got to tell you, everything God said happened because when we finally did an agreement with the brand to become one of their franchisees and we were at the attorney's office, every single document was passed to my husband and he signed and then he passed it to me and then I signed just as God said it was going to happen. So we have signed on to open a brand. 
At this point in her journey, Tanya has managed to get her husband on board with this business venture and begins the next step in the process of getting capital and securing a business loan. Take a listen. The first thing you're going to need to do is secure a loan. And it is going to be a small business loan because no bank is going to give you a commercial loan. If it's your first business, honestly, no, you're not going to get a commercial loan unless you're opening up like 25 stores or unless you're building an apartment building or like a really grand scale project, Yeah. then they will give you a commercial loan. But it's going to be a small business loan. A small business loan is backed by the government. It's citizens money. And so there are a lot of hoops that you have to jump through, but it's just to make sure that the government is protecting the money of its citizens. Um but if you're able to get one of these loans, it really is a good loan. And in that it, it's, it won't balloon on you. There's nothing crazy that's gonna happen. Everything is completely spelled out. They're gonna, you're gonna have to bring about 30% to the table. Okay. And you're gonna have to spend that money up front and show them that you have spent your money as part of the investment. They write up the loan papers. And what has been so amazing is that my loan um, ended up not taxing me. So it's not something that like you're stressing whether or not you can pay. I can pay that. Okay. That's because I so have with, done well, but it's also because the payments are low. Okay. So when you say it wasn't taxing you, it wasn't stressing you out. They were payments stress- that you can handle. Absolutely. That's okay. exactly what I, I meant. And what has been amazing during COVID is I did not seek protection, um, payroll protection, but the, but the government actually said for six months, we're going to pay your small business loan for you. So oh, that's that, great. and um, they just said, you can continue paying us if you want, that would be an additional payment, but we're going to pay your small business loan for you. And I was in a good standing where they would do that for me. I don't know if that happened for everyone. So that was a huge help for me. But that is one of the things with interacting with the government and the government wanting to make sure that businesses did not go out of business, that's, that people you know, stayed employed. That's really helpful to, to know, uh, especially since so many businesses were impacted by COVID. And, you know, uh, we're now just starting to see the country and our state and local governments opening businesses back up. Um, when you say you, you as part of the process of securing the small business loan, did you create a, did you create a, 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 a business plan? I did. So let me talk about that. I'm so glad that you asked because I would have forgotten it. Smoothie King Corporate put me in um, contact with a woman that they, a lot of their franchisees have used, and I can pass along her information. Okay. She is a former accountant and she created her own business. I love that. And what she does is literally write your business plan. She does all the research and then she will shop you around to banks to secure your loan for you. She knows the brand. And that was the thing. She'd probably done 40 of these before I met her. She knows the brand inside out. She knows who the competitors are. She researches your area. She researches the small banks in your area, or she knows the banks in your particular area who, um, you know, some banks want to focus on mortgages or they want to focus on this or that. She knows the banks that are focused on small business lending. And those are the banks she goes after. 
She knows how to make you appealing, what to say, how to craft you. She will have conversations with you. You pay her one fee and she does not stop until you have signed the paper for a small business loan. So that was incredible because I had none of that knowledge yeah. to even know how to represent myself on paper. Um, the brand was new to me, so I didn't have that knowledge to be able to sell it to a bank to say, uh -huh. trust me with your money. Right. Um, but I really love that she took her skills and her knowledge and created this business for herself. And she, all she does is serve people who are looking for loans and turns out that the lender she secured for me is out of Atlanta. You know, it's like a few States away, but okay. they really wanted to ramp up their small business lending. They, she, um, they had done a number maybe about four or five Smoothie King loans and they wanted to do more and it was just a perfect match and it worked really well. And I'm so thankful that I had her to advise me. That's great. That's really good information to have. And I think, yeah, at the end, let's get her contact information and, yeah. uh, you know, keep her on record and file and maybe uh, at some point introduce her to the list of my listeners because absolutely, I think, you know, I, I, I've been working for the last year, um, you know, as I as every other business owner, I was impacted by COVID as well. And I found myself uh, um, starting to give advice to entrepreneurs and a lot of them have gone the path of uh, opening nonprofit organizations because like you and like me there's a, a, a there's a there's a strong desire to want to help and give back but I think what I've recognized is that I I appreciate the passion and I support the missions but there's a lack of just uh, business acumen that mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed and so if we can uh, if we can help create some sort of a you know advisory panel or become a resource for these folks who want to do so much for the community, then I want to do that. So for the last year, I've been answering questions and I, I see a lot of them are tied to, you know, funding, financing, strategy, uh, marketing and promotion. So, and then, you know, ultimately, ultimately the fear. So they've gone through the process of setting up their 501c3s. And then the question is, is, okay, what do I do now? Right. Right. So, so, you know, I think this information is really valuable. So for those who aren't going down the path of opening a nonprofit, but might be considering opening a franchisee, do it in a way that is as informed and as knowledgeable as possible. So you can avoid making any kind of costly mistakes. So I think the investment in, uh, in a consultant who has the connections to secure financing for you is huge. I don't know anybody who's ever, who's done that. When you, you know, you finished uh, working with this woman who shopped around and found you a secure, she, she was able to secure, uh, help you get a, a small business loan. Um, what happened after that? Well, you know, so we did get the small business loan, but before we even got the loan, we, there was a, we had to bring money to the table. Right. And right. we had, and one of the things was that I had, um, a number of 401k dollars that were sitting in former employers accounts and they wanted to roll them over. Yeah. And so one of the banks that we interviewed with the bank owner said, Hey, listen, 
don't just pull out those 401k dollars because if you do, you're gonna be taxed so heavily and penalized for withdrawing that money early. What you should do is instead of your 401k dollars being invested into IBM or Microsoft, you should invest them into your company. And we were like, what? He says, yeah, there's a way to do that. Where if you are a corporation, then you have stocks and then you can actually roll over your 401k money to your own company. And that is literally what we did. We obviously had to hire a third party company to do that. And that's all they do is they help you become a corporation. They roll over your 401k or IRAs or whatever the money is that you want to use. Yeah. It's still tracked by that social security number. It's it's just saying to the government, we're investing it here instead of a publicly traded company. And that third-party company helps to interact with the government. They know what needs to be filed and it's a yearly thing. And but that's where we pulled the money from. And, and so, so, so just to pause there. So you have a financial advisor who advised you. I have a third party company that helps to set up corporations and they watch the money that's in there because the government has to track that money. Cause that money was never taxed. That was, those were pre-tax dollars. Right. And once we, um, once we decide that, oh, we don't need this money anymore, we simply roll it over into a 401 that's active or into an IRA. Again, the money has to be tracked by the government, by your social security number, um, but you can put it wherever you want. So it's it's definitely, it's more than a financial advisor. This is a company yeah. and that's all, and there are other companies like that. And I can, I'm certainly happy to share their information as yeah, well. No, I just, I just wanted to clarify because I, I went down the same path. So I financed my own company. And I used, um, you know, I used uh, my severance package to get started. And then I worked with my financial advisor to keep uh, a pool of money available when I'm in between contracts or, you know, when I need cash flow. So I just wanted to make sure that listeners are aware that, you know, when you become an entrepreneur, and especially if you're a women entrepreneur and you're a woman of color, getting capital is going to be really challenging. And so think really hard about how you're going to be able to finance your endeavor. For me as a consultant, it didn't take much of an investment to kind of uh, set up my company and hang my shield outside the door, right? For you, you know, that's a much more substantive investment. So, you know, for those of us who have been working in corporate America for a while, we probably have little nest eggs that we've been contributing to by way of a 401k or 403b, whatever it is. But for the those who are still, you know, are, are a little bit, you know, in the younger demographic, still starting out and maybe don't have that going on, you know, there's something that they're, they're going to have to consider that. So, so entrepreneurship is not to be taken lightly and it is not for the faint of heart. You know, you said it earlier, you said it earlier on, you know, when you put in all those hours to work corporate America, you know, and you're not happy, there's something there, but you you know, entrepreneurship doesn't mean that you're going to work less hours. You're going to work a lot more hours and you're going to put in a lot more sweat equity and you're going to, you know, you're going to invest in yourself. It's an investment in yourself. So be sure about going down this path and do it in a way that is as informed 
as possible because none of us can afford to lose you know our nest eggs or any kind of any kind of money we have set aside and securing financing is going to be a challenge i don't want to be you know i don't want to i don't want to sugarcoat this for anyone but i just want people to be mindful of it so i you know i didn't mean to interrupt i want you to get to the you know the 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 finish line on your story because it's such an incredible story so yeah after you, yeah so you've rolled this all over you've invested in your own company and you've not been penalized tax you know from a tax standpoint Yes. So. so, you know, once once I, I had that money secured, I then that was also part of going to sec to secure a small business loan. They need yeah. to see that you have something to bring to the table right. um, and a small business loan. What they also want to see is collateral. What was interesting is how that process played out that they actually did not use my home as collateral. They actually asked me if I had a life insurance policy and I said yes. And they said, well, you have to add us onto that policy. We just need to make sure, if, you know, you don't make it in the next 10 years that we can get our portion of the loan back. Like that oh, we wow. would. And so that was, it was like, cool. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but for some, I, I think it also had to do with just what we were bringing to the table, like our history, our salaries. Obviously I didn't have one anymore, but there was a, a track record that, I, I actually don't know why they offered that to me versus saying, we're going to take your home as collateral. We're going to like use your home as collateral for this loan because yeah. you will need collateral. Okay. So, but the, you know, there's just other options. There are other options out there. You know, um, if you are a woman or, and you are a woman of color, you know, whether you want to get grants, you know, there's just, yeah. there's other opportunities, but you're going to have to definitely go for them and fight for them. Yeah. Um, and that, that just wasn't necessarily the path that I went down. So yeah, to build one of these stores, obviously Smithy King is a Southern-based company. It's a lot less expensive to build in the South and to hire labor in the South. Um, Washington, D.C. is a high-end market. It's incredibly expensive to build in this market. It's incredibly expensive labor right now for Washington, D.C., Montgomery, and Prince George's County are on their way to $15 an hour. D.C. may already be there. Yeah. Um, I'm at $11.60 an hour, but just a few years ago when I opened, I was at $7 an hour. So wow. there's that huge increase. Yeah. You know, food is going up and it, it's just, there's a lot to take into, into consideration um, with building. So with building, I would have to say my store is probably the equivalent of buying a nice home in a nice neighborhood. Like wow. that is the, that's the um, investment. That's the investment. And you have to come up with 30% of that. And then the SBA will bring 70% of that. Okay. Um, let's see what else, you know, with the SBA, I do have to say this, and I don't want to just land there, harp on this that it's a yearly thing that they take a look at you. They take a look at, has something changed for you financially? Are all partners still involved, invested in at what percent? Show us your financials every single year. Oh, wow. um, show us your P&L every single year. It is the government's money that they have loaned you. It okay. is a continual thing. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to secure this loan. And then you have to, um, be accountable to them. And you just have to understand it is what it is. They gave you this money. They lent you this money, I should say. Um, so it's not a, a 
one and done. It is right. a continual having to show that um, you're not going to default on this loan. Okay. And so, alrighty, the store gets open and one of the things that the SBA will take into consideration, how much did it cost to build? How much does it cost to run the store for three months? Because they're anticipating you're not going to make any money. In fact, you're probably going to lose money the first few months. Yeah. How much does it cost to get your product in that store? If you decide to go the franchise route or, you know, if you're opening up your whatever, a dry cleaning business, whatever the case may be, how much yeah. does it cost to get your products in and to get up and running? How much does it cost to pay your folks? You got to pay your folks from day one, but you have right. no, you've made no money day one. So all of those things are written into the loan and very specific. Guess what? If something pops up that you didn't anticipate on okay, you need to go figure out where that money's coming from because when the loan is written and signed, it is done. You do not go back and get any more money. You got to figure that thing out. Okay. Um, and sometimes what that involves, at least for me, is really becoming knowledgeable on the local laws and regulations, on my state laws and regulations. There's some things in place that I didn't even know existed yeah. that you know the inspector says, oh, you have to put this in. And by the way, I'm going to shut you down for six weeks until you get it done. The permit is going to cost $5,000 and the work is going to cost $5,000. That's $10,000 yes. that you had no idea was coming. And yet here it is. Um, so, you know, when you're trying to get started, those those types of contingency things are going to pop up. And yeah. I just, I pray that you have a network that you can then go and say, I'm so sorry, mom and dad or brother or uncle or best friend. Yeah. This is what's happened. I need for you to invest in me. I will pay you back by this date. And you just have to get that, that money to keep going. Yeah. For us, we did really well, really fast. And that's a good problem to have, but it was like drinking from a fire hose. Like you oh, wow. can literally drown. And yeah. That is what I felt like on many days that the people are coming through the door so fast. I don't have skilled labor. I'm working 16 hours a day. I see my children even less. I'm so tired. I, I fall asleep with my head on my desk and yeah. um, I cry all the way home at 11 o'clock at night and I'm, because I'm so tired and I have to be back at 6.30 in the morning. But that is what you have to put into it. You called it sweat equity. It yep. is blood, sweat, and tears. That is what you may have to put into it. Because, and you have to put it in because you can't stop. You can't stop. You have everyone relying on you or that may be your situation. You know, for some of you, you may have a partnership. And I, mm -hmm. I want to say this very quickly. With partnerships, partnerships are marriages. You have to understand it is like a marriage and you're not going to always agree. Mm -hmm. If you know your partner likes to throw tantrum and tantrums and say, this is mine, I'm going to take my toys and go home. I'm going to say, don't go into business with that person. That's right. Um, I, you just have to understand their temperament. You have to have everything in writing that we are a partner, but I have 51% of an investment or I have veto power or you have to have in writing, how do we break this tie? Yeah. And so that everyone can follow those guidelines because when tempers are flaring and you're both of you are passionate and the bills are due and the team, like when the, when the pressure is on, sometimes 
you have to be able to step back and go and look at the blueprint to say, how did we decide how we were going to confront or address issues? Yeah. And then you both have to honor and respect that. Right. So um, partnerships can be difficult. Silent partners can be difficult. And that is they gave you the money, but they don't want to run the business, but they still get a voice because you still have their money That's tied right. up in your business. So um, if you go that route, you know, versus opening it up all by yourself, there's some challenges with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good when you do have partners because you get to have someone to bounce things off of and you get to support each other, but right. it is a marriage and if you're not so crazy about the one you're the first marriage or the one you're getting ready to have a second marriage and yeah, yeah get ready for that we'll save that topic for a later right. a later discussion <laughs> <laughs> so so you had success really quickly which is interesting yes. right so you have yes. to plan for you know uh you have to plan for business being slow but nobody yeah. ever really talks about what happens if you're wildly successful? Are you prepared yes. for that as well? Yeah, I um, my store. I have two children, and mm-hmm. I like to say that my store is my third child. In the early years, it was the colicky baby that never stopped crying. Yeah, and that is the best way to describe it. It never stops, and um. With that, that means that, you know, you can be at your son's birthday party at a park in Virginia and everyone calls out up, calls out on you. And the contract says that door has to be open until 9 p.m. So you have to pack up your family and pack up your children and get to that store. Yeah. It could be that, you know, which has happened to me, that it's 95 degrees outside the line is out the door and every single young person has called out sick that day. And I'm in there by myself. Like you literally want to burst in the tears, but you have to decide, I'm going to say hello to everyone who comes in. I'm going to smile. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to work as fast as I can. And some people will be angry and leave. And most people will be generous and gracious and say, honey, do you need for me to come back there and help you or take your time? The store for me, has been baptism by fire. It has showed me where I was weak. It's shown me where I was mean and selfish. It has literally crucified me several times. It has made me love serving, serving people. It has made me love because I have done so well. I am able to continually, because I have a heart for people, continually funnel money into causes and charities and hospitals that I care deeply and desperately about. Yeah. Even during COVID, when I didn't think I could pay myself, I had a commitment that I wasn't going to. And I think God honored me for that. Yeah. It is when someone's bank card is declined, but they're in my store all the time. And I wink at them and say, it's on me today. Yeah. It is when the homeless guy who's standing in line and he's fidgeting because he knows he doesn't have any money, but he's bold enough to come to the register to say, do yeah. you have any extra smoothies? And I was like, meet me at the other end. Let me see what I got for you. Yeah. It is the guy sitting out on the corner and it is so hot. And I walk out and hand him something like it is just, God has taught me through all of my hard times to focus on other people around me. And I think that's also why he has allowed me to be so successful because I am continually every day trying to figure out who can I serve? Who can I bless? Who can I help? Yeah. 
And that sometimes is even with the people who are stealing from you, even with the people who are lying, even with, and I am livid and I'm ready to fire everyone in there. And God will say, take them into your office, have a conversation with them. And, and it's like, but God, did you see? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and he's saying, I'm doing a bigger work or I'm going to bring this back to them later. I need for you to extend kindness and grace. Okay. You know, he's shown me when I have gone off and I've gotten into an arguing match with a guest, or I've responded to someone online that was yeah. just completely horrid and lying. And he will say, I didn't tell you to do that. What other people say about you is none of your business. Right. What I say about you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. When you're working your butt off and then someone just completely just crucifies you and you know, they're lying. And yeah. what he said to me is the good or the bad is none of your business. Cause they will praise you on Monday. And by Thursday, they will be saying, crucify you. Yeah. Keep your focus off of what other people think and what other people say. And I, I think, you know, Tanya, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think yeah. that is key. I think when you become an entrepreneur, I think when you're working, you kind of have to let that stuff roll off your back. They, we, we've all heard the term, you know, half thick skin. But I think when you're an entrepreneur, it becomes even more important. Yes. That the opinions of other people, especially when they're crucifying you, don't matter. Those people don't matter. Raise a good point. You know, we've talked a little bit, a lot about how difficult and challenging entrepreneurship is. And these are, this is some of the, these are the things that you have to kind of take into account. You know, not everybody's going to be a fan. And, and, you know, when you have a customer, sometimes things go wrong. How do you resolve it and, and maintain that relationship? I got to tell you, this is where I am right now on my job. I recognize where my promotion comes from. I recognize where my increase comes from. Yeah. It doesn't come, it doesn't come from anyone's pocket. And what I, I, what I mean by that is if I'm relying on you for my increase, then I'm going to I'm going to do a dance for you to try to get that $5 and I'm right. not going to dance for anyone. I understand that if we can't work it out, if I can't make it better for you and I have done everything or you're going off, you can't curse my 16 year old team member behind the counter because you're having a bad day. I'm going to right. walk you to that door. I'm going to hand your money back to you and I'm going to refuse you service. Yeah. The respect is on both sides of that counter. And what I know is that I'm, if I'm upright before the Lord, when I tell you, you can no longer come back in here, he's going to send your replacement. When you understand where your promotion, where your increase, because you can work yourself to death and there will yeah. still be someone who says you did it wrong or no. Yeah. But if I work myself and I'm doing things for his glory, it, it's just, he just sends the next one. I don't have to endure, um, you know, of just folks who are horrific. The toxicity, yeah, the toxicity. I mean, yeah. I think that's what it is. You, we, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I think life is too short. This last year, I think has taught yes. us all that you know toxicity can actually have a really detrimental impact on your mental health on your Absolutely. physical health and and you bring that stuff home and you know we we've been working for too long and too hard and building our careers to allow that to happen so i think that recognizing when those toxic 
instance instances come up, you know, head, heading them off at the pass. I love hearing you say, you know what, I'm going to walk you to the door and I'm going to hand you back your money. And, you know, wh whether my a staffer is 16 years old or 36 years old, respect is a two way street and we yeah. don't have to put up with uh, disrespectful behavior. So I think you're spot on. And I think that, you know, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, anybody who's client facing or service oriented is going to have to learn how to conflict, uh, manage conflict resolution in as constructive and healthy a way as possible. So I, I know I, I've taken I up a lot of your time. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tanya. No, so I, I do want to say this. I love that you said the word meant the words mental health. I think that's yeah. so incredibly important. If you're doing this by yourself, I would encourage everyone to get some type of coach that you can bounce yes. things off of yes. or a counselor or just someone. Mental health is going to be so incredibly important because it's going to take a beating yep. and you have to decide who you are apart from the business and what yeah. you stand for. Yeah. Um, I, and let me just tell you, if your business is successful, or even if it's struggling, it's going to take so much of your energy, time and effort. And yeah. some of your relationships around you may struggle because of that. Yeah. Um, you have to have a mental health outlet release and you have to stay healthy mentally or it's all going to go down. Like it, it's just so much riding on you. It's so much pressure. And I wish someone had told me that early yeah. on and your girlfriend may not be your mental health source because that's a lot of pressure to put on that relationship. Yeah. I, I, I would stress that to have an outlet. Yeah, completely, completely agree. That's why I think that you know, uh, it, you know, I, I, that's why I made the point because it, it will, it will be taxing. And I think, you know, it's important to have the outlet, as you said, whoever, whoever that outlet or whatever that outlet may be, make sure you create it. Um, but I also think it's important to recognize the signs of a toxic, a toxic or potentially toxic situation. So you can kind of avoid it before it becomes you know, bigger than it needs to be. So yeah, I'm, 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 I want to make sure that we make that point, but I want to get to kind of the, the, the celebratory point of, of the conversation, which is not only did you, you know, uh, make the decision to buy a franchise, uh, invest in one, and you open one up and you were wildly successful early on, but can you talk a little bit about just what that success looks like, like explain to the listeners, and I, this might be an anomaly, so not everybody's going to experience this kind of success, but, but you know, brag a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to, tell the listeners yeah. how successful so, you were. Yeah, you know, I opened up a week before Thanksgiving 2014, and I am like, dear Lord, I sell cold drinks, and I'm opening up at Christmas time, yeah. like, I tried so hard to get open that summer. It just didn't happen. Um, there's something that we do with our brand called $5 Friday. What that means is that you can come in on a Friday and get a 32 ounce medium for just $5. Yeah. And the DM mark, the DMV market was doing that just in September. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, why aren't we doing this every Friday? And I did, although I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing it. But people were just drawn to the store. And, you know, again, just following God's lead, 
and trusting him. And he told me I would be successful. I had no idea. Corporate said, Tanya, you know, before I open, when your sales get to 360K, we're going to consider you a strong, stable store, but that's going to take you a couple of years to grow to that. But I got to tell you, my first year, I was just shy, like $12 shy of $700,000. Like I absolutely had an amazing year. And then the second year is even more than that. And yeah. King's Club is within the brand. King's Club's um, is what the award that you get if you're in the top 15% of the nation in sales. I've made King's Clubs almost every single year. My first year, we did so well. Um that we literally took out $10,000 and just gave it away to local organizations and schools that we care about. Yeah. It is just, it has been, it has been incredible during COVID. I closed down for one day to be prayerful, to figure out what to do next. And God says, I didn't tell you to close. So I opened back up and I just went with, I was thankful for everyone who walked through the door And last July, God told me to put his name up on the wall and I did it. And during COVID, I was literally just shy of $100,000 selling $5 to $10 drinks in my store. We we do an amazing business to God be the glory. I got to tell you it, honestly, this is where I'm going to take some some props here. It's because of how I run my business and the standard that I have for my young folks. Folks will rise to whatever standard you have for them. And a lot of folks, unfortunately, have very low standards, but that's not mine because I represent the one that I worship. And um, so people will tell me all day long, I drove past three other ones to get to yours. They choose to come to me because we're fast. We are friendly. You have five seconds to say hello. That is the absolute least you can do in serving people. I am about a spirit of service. I love serving people and blessing people and caring for how, what I do for them. And I think that that has definitely led to my success. There are a lot of other ones, brands and stores that are around me. They're not experiencing this. I definitely think it has to do with my faith, but it has to do with just the standard. Yeah. This is, um, we don't always get it right. We try to make it right for you. And sometimes after attempt, after attempt, if we can't make it right for you, then sometimes we need to just part ways. I've even gotten to that point to understand you're not going to please everyone and it really is okay. Please the next one. And so, so yeah, we, we've done well. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. So, you know, for a, for a small, a relatively small investment, and I I'm using floating air quotations when I say that uh, yeah. investment, small investment, you got the return immediately. So, yes. so yeah. So I think that, you know, what I want people to understand uh, just to close it all out is that entrepreneurship isn't easy. Um, and there are different pathways to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, so as I said early on, when we uh, started the conversation, you can either start a business from scratch, right? And, and, you know, you have to do the legwork and the research to figure out how to do that. Um, you can buy a business that's already existing, and there's still going to be research that's needed to make sure that that makes sense, right? Or you can buy a franchise. And I think with you buying a franchise, you didn't necessarily buy the cheapest franchise out there. You know, there was a hefty investment that you had to make 
uh, but you also did the right things in terms of working with experts to secure the right funding and to make sure that you're on top of uh, your finances, you're being fiscally responsi uh, responsible mm -hmm. and you're accountable because of the nature of the loan you secured. So um, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing to watch that, you know, uh, idea that probably you hadn't even really thought about while, while you were in corporate America, but how your journey to entrepreneurship via, you know, a franchisee and to be so wildly successful. I mean, I know people who've gone to school and become, you know, doctors and dentists and lawyers and don't make almost a million dollars you know, yeah. in their first year of, of, of going into business or hanging their shingle out the door. So, you know, I think that, that the message for, for my listeners is that you can be successful. It's up to you to determine and define what that success looks like, but understand that you still have to approach your, your, uh, your, your goals with a plan and with uh, research and with the commitment from yourself to put in the work, you've got to put in the work and to secure, uh, you know, or to ensure that you are surrounding yourself with people who will be supportive because you need to have that network. It's not going to be easy. And I think trying to go it alone is just not going to be healthy for you or for the people who are in your life who care about you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. The last thing that I do want to say is the number one, the largest group that are entering into franchise agreements right now are black women, women. who are yep. leaving corporate jobs and um, who are leaving corporate jobs and deciding to do it themselves. And it is not just, yeah, not just women, but black women who black women. have decided yeah. I want to run something on my own. I don't want to invent the will. I want to buy into something that's already existing and yeah. they're just making it work. And I, I love that. I love that too. I think we are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in this country. Yeah. We're the least capitalized and funded. So yes. I think yeah. that, I think that your story hopefully will inspire others. And I think that as difficult, I shouldn't say difficult, but as challenging as it can be, the rewards are so well worth it. Like you, um, you know, I get to see my daughter every day. I've set up the business where I can work from home and I can set my schedule. I am client oriented and service oriented, but, you know, I can work around my personal life. When I worked for corporate America, I had to ask for permission just to be able to leave or take a day off to go and do something that involved my daughter you know, whether it was talk to her, or talk to her teachers, or see her in a school play. And I no longer have to do that. And I love that. And I, I, you know, I have a roof over my head. I'm not food insecure. You know, I'm doing well. And especially in light of the pandemic, my doors are still open. So I think from your, you know, watching your story and to hear that you're still able to you know, give back and, and put people first and, and help people and serve people. I think that is the message. We can do this. It will be a challenge, but I think the importance of why we do it is just as important as, you know, um, you know, looking to, to have a, a, a big paycheck. Now, 
you know, it would be great if we could all make a million dollars. And I think that's attainable from up uh, for a lot of us, but that can't be the, the sole reason why you do this because the money may not come right away. I hope you found this content helpful as you embark on your journey to entrepreneurship. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Modern Entrepreneurship with Felicia Santana.